Have you ever been listening to somebody talk, maybe somebody on a stage like this at church, and you thought to yourself, why do they talk about that? I mean, I'd rather them talk about something that you know, applies to my life today. I mean, I could do better than that. I mean, I get it. You might be looking at me, you know, either you're in this room or you're looking at your screen at home and you're thinking, okay, what you got? Hit me with it. Show me what you're working with. So today, I'd like for you to write the message. I'd like for you to choose the order of the five topics that we talk about. Show me what you're working with. So here's what I'd like for you to do. Take out your phone. Whether you're here, whether you're at home, take out your phone and text the words, the Ridge 468 to 22333. And once you join, text which topic you want me to do first. Marriage, unity, pride, temptation, or dealing with fools. Somebody's already chosen fools, which I feel like is a comment about me, but that's okay. So I will go in order of whatever you choose. And if there's a tie, I get to choose, which kind of defeats the purpose of it. But I would encourage you to write the message today. Now, we're in a series called Life is Complicated, Get It Right. And we've been talking about wisdom, trust, integrity, discipline. These are amazing foundational topics found in the book of Proverbs. Now, one of the things I love about the book of Proverbs is that it covers things that are applicable to our everyday lives. It talks about all sorts of different things. Last week, we talked about our words and how much they matter. Next week, we're going to talk about parenting. And today, we're going to talk about marriage, unity, pride, temptation, and dealing with fools. So a lot of different ways to go. Let's see where we're at. Who cares about unity, right? Nobody's going for that. Let's not talk about that. Okay, let's do marriage. That feels fitting, right? Marriage today, Valentine's Day. That one's done. Okay. So here's the first tip. This is not from the book of Proverbs. Here's my tip for you about Valentine's Day. Do something. Doesn't have to be huge. You don't have to go full teddy bear and chocolates and roses, but I would encourage you to acknowledge it. It has nothing to do with the book of Proverbs, but I still think it's wise. Okay. So here's the main point that I want to convey today that does come from the book of Proverbs about marriage. Here we go. God wants our marriages to thrive, not just survive, not just to make it, not just to be managed, thrive. Now we have negative images about marriage in our lives, don't we? You heard them, you know, the old ball and chain. You ever heard that one? You know, take my wife. No, please take her. You ever heard those types of jokes? Have you ever watched a sitcom and how marriage is often viewed as like bumbling or broken or bad? Even though it can be incredibly hard, that's not God's view of marriage. Now remember, the book of Proverbs is like a dad talking to his son. And in this case, it's like a dad talking to his son, say, the night before he gets married. And he's excited. And the son asks, hey, dad, what's your advice on marriage? This is Proverbs 5.18. Here it is. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. What words do you use to describe your marriage? I mean, really think about it. Healthy? Steady? Rocky? Hard? Annoying? Blessing? Rejoice? That's God's hope for us. His hope is that we would describe our marriage as a fountain of overflowing blessing. That's kind of the image here. 
So, since he wants our marriage to thrive, here are five ways to thrive in our marriage. You didn't know that the sermon was going to be like 45 minutes today, did you? It's not meant to be, I promise. Five ways to thrive in marriage. Number one, fight fair. So if you fight in a marriage, if you argue, it's not a bad thing. When people tell me that they don't argue, I get suspicious. Fighting shows that you actually care. But fighting fair is incredibly important. My encouragement to the married folks out there would be to have a rule about fighting or many several rules. Even UFC has rules. So decide together in your marriage what's okay, what's not okay. Here's an example. In our house, my wife Abby and I, we aren't allowed to use the words you never or I always, those extremes. We're encouraged not to use them. Why? Because they're harmful. They're not often true. So if I say something like that, Abby has every right to say foul, and then I get mad, and that's a whole other thing. But fight fair, number one. Number two, manage money. The number one conflict point in a marriage is finances. Number one. Isn't that crazy? So here's my suggestion. Have a budget. Have one that you'd agree on together and work it. And if you don't work it and it's not working or you don't have a plan, I would encourage you to go have a plan. Now, we're going to talk about what it looks like to manage money in a couple of weeks. You can hold your applause about that. But it might be overly simplistic, but managing money is a huge part of a healthy marriage. Okay, fight fair. Manage money. Number three, have sex. I'm uncomfortable. Are you uncomfortable? So I thought about, do I have to say this? Do I have to say it like this? Here's the thing. God created sex. It's actually incredibly important. It was his design. It's important to a marriage relationship. It's important for us to talk to our kids about. It's important for us to have healthy views of this. So yeah, I went there and not just because it's Valentine's Day. It's supposed to be an active part of our marriage relationship. So I would encourage you, communicate about it. Agree about it. Get help if you need to, to figure out what this needs to look like in your life through counseling. This is an important piece to our marriage relationship. All right. Number four, have friends. Now, community is a huge deal in our lives, including into a healthy marriage. So I'd encourage you, have friends that help you grow. Have friends for both of you that you have together and have friends separately that are healthy and God-honoring. We believe this so much here at The Ridge. We think that people need such healthy relationships that honor God that we have life groups here or groups. We would encourage you, if you're not in one, to join a group Not just because it's something to do, but because people who love God and love you are such an important piece to a healthy marriage. Number five, pray together. This is super simple. But I would encourage you, pray for each other. Pray at dinner. Pray before bed. Pray before a big meeting. Pray before a big decision. Praying together helps you keep your focus on God. So if this is God, this is your marriage. As you focus on God and as you pray together, you get closer together. All right, marriage, number one. Let's see. Let's go back to the poll and see where we're at. Okay. A tie between temptation and dealing with fools. I feel like that's a trick. 
but I'm going to go with dealing with fools. Okay, dealing with fools. So when I think of this topic, I think of this amazing philosopher that has said so many um, just incredibly important thing on the topic of foolishness. So in the words of the amazing and great Mr. T, I pity the fool. Proverbs talks a lot actually about fools and wisdom. Talks about people who are foolish. No one wants to be called a fool. If you like being called a fool, you are the fool. But it's hard to know how to deal with the fool. And it's hard to know if you're the one being the fool. So check this out. This is Proverbs 26, 4 through 5. This makes me laugh. Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools or you'll become as foolish as they are. Be sure to answer the foolish arguments of fools or they'll become wise in their own estimation. What? It says both, back to back. I mean, that can't be right. Did a fool write this? Is that what this is all about? Well, there's a reason these two Proverbs are together. Sometimes the wisest thing to do with a fool is to not answer them. It's to ignore them. But sometimes the wisest thing to do is to stand up for what is right because if we don't, the fool thinks that they're right. They have no reason to second guess themselves. So if you look at some of the other verses around these verses, it talks about fools as well. This is verse uh, 6, 26.6. Trusting a fool to convey a message is like cutting off one's feet or drinking poison. Translation, trusting a fool, it ain't going to end well. Proverbs 26.11, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. I mean, this is disgustingly hilarious to me. That's a vivid picture of what it's like to deal with a fool. Fools will keep on being foolish. And to sum it up, here's what I think really the book of Proverbs says about dealing with fools. Don't be foolish when dealing with fools. What's it look like for you to be wise? Is there someone in your life right now that isn't trustworthy? Someone who's argumentative? Somebody who's harsh? Someone you know, even as I'm talking right now, that isn't the best influence in your life and leads you down a really dangerous path, they might be a fool. Fools don't learn from their mistakes. The fool is so sure that he has all the facts that he refuses to listen to somebody else. He's not trustworthy. You can't reason with a fool. And at times it is best to ignore them. And at times it is best to acknowledge the foolishness because he thinks he's right. So when dealing with somebody, a conflict, a relationship, a decision, whatever, be cautious. Don't be foolish with dealing with fools. Don't spout off. Take each situation and seek wisdom on how to engage or not on a case-by-case basis. That is really how you pity the fool. Now you know. And on a final note about fools, if you're thinking, you know what, my boss is a fool, my neighbor is a fool, my friend is a fool, my sister-in-law is a fool, or whatever, this is Proverbs 29, 12. There's more hope for fools than for people who think they are wise. So do you consider yourself the wise one or the fool? Don't be foolish when dealing with fools, but be careful not to be the one fooling yourself. All right, let's go back to the poll. Let's see what's left. Okay, so temptation, interesting. 
I think it was, uh, you know, the nine o'clock hour that I don't think anyone voted for temptation the entire time. I mean, we still talked about it, but so a lot of time Proverbs talks about temptation in this context, in the context of adultery and prostitution. So remember, many of the Proverbs are in the context of a parent talking to their child. And the deepest desire for this parent is that the child will have a fulfilling and God-honoring life. That's kind of the premise of these. So temptation, especially in the context of adultery, this is what it's saying. It will destroy a life, a marriage, if we give into it. So Proverbs 7 tells a little story. It tells a story of a naive young man, a.k.a. a fool, and an immoral woman, a.k.a. a prostitute. So this foolish guy walks across the street near the house of the prostitute. She was known in the community to be bad news, and she does her best to tempt him, to prompt him. And she prevails, and it actually wasn't that difficult. She tempts him, he gives in. And this is Proverbs 7.22. He followed her at once like an ox going to the slaughter. Think about that for a second. When have you given in to temptation? We all have. Maybe that time you know you shouldn't be clicking on that website. You know, maybe you shouldn't be taking what wasn't yours and you know it. Maybe you're lying about a friend. Maybe you're self-medicating. You're not dealing with your anger. You're saying that thing even though you're not, it's not true or it's hurtful, but you give in and you say, just this once, it's not that big of a deal. It feels good to me. I'm, I'm going to do it like an ox going to the slaughter. Proverbs is saying loud and clear, whether it's adultery or giving in in any other temptation, it costs us when we give in. This is Proverbs 6. Can a man scoop a flame into his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire? Can he walk on hot coals and not blister his feet? It's not a trick question. The answer is no. Fire is dangerous, and playing with it will eventually get you in deep trouble. Temptation will burn you unless you run away. So how do we avoid it? Well, that's the answer. Don't wander. Don't go across the street. That's the amazing part of that story. It starts with him going to her. It's simple, but run away. You know you're one click from the stuff you shouldn't look at. You know you're one word from saying too much. You know your heart isn't right. You know you're one glance away from destroying your marriage. You know run away. Because if you play with fire, you're going to get burned. Super fun, super fun. All right, let's go back. Okay, so we've got pride or unity, pride or unity. Really? No one cares about unity. I guess that, that tracks because we haven't learned about it. So we're disagreeing about it. No, you didn't go with me? Cool. Pride. I was looking through comment section on video on YouTube the other day, and I realized that the comment section online is like the wild, wild west. People say and do all sorts of kind of odd and weird things. But the thing that kept sticking out wasn't an inappropriate comment. It wasn't good commentary on a video. It was this one word that came up over and over and over again. Here's the word. First. What? Weird. Someone, instead of commenting on the content of the video, just wrote the word first to show that they were the first person 
to comment. And I think that that is a perfect commentary on our focus, on maybe our obsession with being first. So much so we have to write it in the comments on the video of the greatest football plays of 2020, which is what I was watching. Deep down, though, many of us have a desire to put ourselves first. But we don't always call it that. We say we want to be the best. We want to be successful. We want to be safe. We want to be financially secure. We want to be happy. Sometimes these feelings can motivate us to do good things, work hard and do good. But sometimes, if we're not careful, our focus, our pride, becomes about me, myself. becomes about our world, our feelings, our circumstances, our hopes, our dreams. Me, 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 me. Before anyone else, all the time, in every situation, that's pride. Proverbs talks about that me-first mentality. This is Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. People have quoted this throughout history. And yeah, it comes from the Bible. And it is true that me first mentality is a slippery slope. And there's no one to caution you, to help you make decisions. And you go, well, I couldn't possibly be wrong about this. Proverbs eleven two says, pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. And that's the way to fight pride. Pride and humility go hand in hand. Now, humility can be a buzzword. We humble brag about an accomplishment or whatever. But in reality, here's how I would define humility. Humility is accurately seeing ourselves and accurately seeing God. To the best of our ability, accurately seeing ourselves and accurately seeing God. It's kind of this reorientation. It doesn't place us at the center of the universe. That's not accurately viewing ourselves. It's putting God there. It's accurately viewing God. We have to get out of the way. Let him lead. So here's kind of how I describe it. Pride leads to disgrace, destruction, bad stuff. Humility leads to honor. Putting yourself in the rightful place, basically, that we have value, not because of what we do, not because of who we say we are, not because of our money or our relationships or anything else. We have value because of who God says we are. And that's it. End full stop. And we have to understand ourselves. We understand that we need help. We need a savior. We need community. We need Jesus. That's the root of humility, accurately viewing ourselves and not thinking less of ourselves, accurately viewing ourselves. And the root of pride is saying, look at how much I need myself. Look at how important I am, not because of who God is, but because of who I am. And humility is telling ourselves how much we need Jesus. It says Proverbs 18, 12, haughtiness goes before the destruction. Humility precedes honor. Really a place with Jesus. Humility leads us to a place with Jesus. So how do we apply this to our lives? It's a nice concept, but what do we do? I think we can start by asking this question. In light of who Jesus is, who am I? Here's how I answered that question. I am loved. I am valuable because of what Jesus did for me on the cross, not because of what I have done. I am a sinner. I fall short of God's standard. I am called to love others. I am called to humble myself. In light of who Jesus is, who am I? All right, last one. Let's go to unity. Let's end on a good one. 
what do you hate? And I don't mean like I hate that Tom Brady went to the Super Bowl again, because ditto, but deep down in your bones, what do you hate? As I was practicing this message, my four-year-old daughter, Eliza, said, we don't say hate, Daddy. And she's right. That's the rule in our house. We don't say hate. Hate is such a strong word. It gets out of control. It's an uncomfortable word for us. And there seems to be, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but there seems to be a lot of hate going on. Something I've noticed about disagreement and hate is how deeply personal it gets. We go from, for some reason, I disagree with what you're saying. I disagree with that concept. I even disagree with what you did. And we start to say, I hate who you are. It saddens me. Partly because I'm guilty of it. Now, one of the things that the book of Proverbs talks about is what God hates. Now, God is perfect. And so paying attention to the things that he doesn't like can actually be really helpful for us. Shows us who he is. Shows us what he's all about. So this is Proverbs 16. Check this out. There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies. And number seven, this is, the, this is the important one, a person who sows discord in a family. Now in the Old Testament, you kind of read stuff like this. Six things, no seven. Four things, no five. In this case, six things, no seven. It's a literary device and it points out the most important thing, the thing that unlocks the other things. That's always the last one. So the seventh thing, a person who sows discord in a family unlocks the other six. It's like an like exclamation point on the point. So what he's saying is, God hates discord, disunity. What he hates about haughty eyes and a lying tongue and arrogance and how quick we are to hurt other people and gossip and slander is that it brings disunity. God detests it. It's like this picture of turning away from the stench of, you know, something that smells incredibly bad, like in your in your kitchen or something. It's that type of imagery. He cares this deeply about unity. So what's the positive out of the negative? Why does he care this much about unity? What's this all about? Psalm 133.1 says it like this, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. What is he actually talking about? When he's talking about what he detests and hates, he's talking about love. There's a lot in this world to disagree about. A lot Approaches, opinions, politics, mask or not, vaccine or not, believe this, say that, do this, do that. But there is one amazing thing to agree on. And for me, that comes from Jesus. That's why I believe this. But I think even if you don't believe in Jesus, this is still true. That's how powerful Jesus is. Love each other. Yes, there are things that we boldly need to disagree on. But there are a lot of things that we have in common. A lot. And the most important one is love. Is 
that we are loved by God so perfectly he sent his son Jesus. That's what unity is about. It's not about agreeing. It's about love. So the next time you find yourself hating someone or hating something, ask yourself, what do we have in common? Because the answer is love. So there you have it. You did it. You wrote your first sermon. You worked your one day this week. Good job. Now you consider yourself a preacher. But the amazing thing about the book of Proverbs, really the Bible in general, is that it is applicable to our lives today. It's not just some written text by people you'll never meet. It's something that helps us in our lives today. So the Bible reminds us all of these things. It reminds us that our marriages should thrive, that unity honors God, that it's all about love in the first place, that pride leads to disgrace, but humility honors God and leads to honor, that playing with fire and temptation will burn you, and that we shouldn't be fools when dealing with fools. But as we wrap up today, my challenge to you, my question to you What is God prompting you to do tomorrow because of today? It's really easy to hear five different topics, check them off and go, I'm done for the day. I've done my service. But I challenge you, answer the question, what is God prompting you to apply to your lives tomorrow? So my hope is, is that as you're walking towards what is wise, as you're doing your best to honor God, that you're disciplined, you're full of integrity, that you trust God with all that you've got, that you answer the question, what is God asking you to do tomorrow? I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your love, your perfect love your love that casts out fear, your love that brings us together, your love that helps us see you in a way that is amazing. Thank you for the love that you showed us through Jesus, that perfect love that showed us how valuable we are, not because of what we do, not because of what we think, not because of how we act, not because of where we are, but because of you, just because you say you are valuable. That's all it takes. Help us not just listen, but help us apply wisdom to our lives, that it becomes a part of our just lifestyle. Help us go tomorrow, not just today, but tomorrow, and help us answer that question, what are you asking us to do? to honor you, to be wise? Is it something we've talked about? Is it something else? Help us follow you with all we've got. We love you. We thank you for Jesus and his perfect love for us. It's in his name that we pray today. Amen.